Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride with the kickoff of our two-week celebration of Queer as Folk. Since these episodes are always popular since we did the first one two years ago, we revisit Queer as Folk every year around this time. And this time I decided we would do it over two weeks. So we will see if we do the same thing next year. I do not know. But we are covering some of the characters during these two weeks I know with this first episode, I will I, I will probably get some hate for not separating these two out, but it's just the way it had to be. I understand the frustration. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a lot of work to do a podcast. Keep that in mind. And also just timing wise, I couldn't do it. And I love both these characters. I do, but it just kind of worked out that way. I know it seems like favoritism and it probably is, but still just want to put that out there. But so today we are covering... Emmett and Ted <laughs> together, but I'm very excited for this. I'm very excited because we have, of course, one of the hosts of Liberty Diner Dish. Sadly, Ken couldn't be here today, but Ken hopefully will be joining us on some of these, but we do have Ishelle here, and then we also have Danelle. So this should be a fun conversation, but before we get into all things Emmett and Ted, I'm just going to go around and have my two wonderful panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now in pop culture. So, Danelle, what are you into right now? Hey, Erin. Thanks again for having me. I'm excited to be here always, about especially talking about queer as folk. <laughs> so I'm very excited. Um, what am I into right now? So I just finished Flight Attendant. Um the flight attendant. Wow. Very intense. Um, really, really interesting. Check it out if you haven't. There's some trigger warnings there, though. It's pretty intense. So definitely, you know, it, it, it's small doses uh, um, to get through it. But it was fantastic. Kelly Cuckoo, is, or Cuckoo, uh, Cuckoo, I think it's, I don't know how to pronounce last name. It's not that. But yeah, Kelly Coco yeah. or Coco something. Coco, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kelly, if you ever hear this. Um, anyway, she's fantastic. She's absolutely amazing in it. It's a great cast, um, a lot of fun. And also Under the Banner of Heaven with Andrew Garfield, another really intense, very well done show. Yeah, I, I've, I haven't watched the second season of Flight Attendant yet, but I did like the first one. And I just finished Under the Banner of Heaven on Friday. And yes, very good, but super duper depressing. Ooh. So if you're going to watch it, no, it's super duper depressing. <laughs> so. 
it's intense. <laughs> yes. And uh, like I said, when I recommended it a week or so ago, you know, just always want to put that out there. There, There is, because I know people get very, very triggered by this too. I mean, there's horrible vi violence and sex and misogyny and stuff like that, but there is um, violence towards animals. So if that is at all triggering for you as well, I, you know, I know people like to know that ahead of time. So know that for that show. So, and Ishelle from the Queers Folk Podcast, Liberty Diner Dish, what are you into right now? Hello. Well, I'm wearing my poor Ted shirt. Unfortunately, oh, listeners you cannot see it, but I'll show it to, <laughs> to, uh, to Aaron and Danelle. Um, but I am on a mission to read queer all year. And so, again, I am sharing a book that I'm reading. This is a series, and it's called the Tarot Sequence Series by Katie Edwards. I'm really into trying to read own voices right now. And not just where, you know, someone outside of the community, even though they're an ally is writing, I'm really trying to read some own voices. And so pushing myself in that direction. But for right now, I'm reading the tarot sequence and I'm loving it. Awesome. Like I like I told Ishelle when she was on our happy endings episode, which just dropped last week. Every single time she's on, she recommends a book. And it's pretty awesome because it's very rare that it's funny because that and music are the rarest things we have, that ever gets recommended on here. So Thank you for that. I appreciate that all the time. So, uh, okay. And this is Aaron. What I'm into is the boys is back. Uh, of course, do not watch the boys. If you can't handle gore, can't handle anything having to do with sexual assault, can't, can't handle basically anything. If a lot of stuff triggers you, it's very intense. And I know a lot of, there are not a lot of new, a lot of new viewers because of one Jensen Ackles joining the cast. He's not in very much of the first three episodes spoiler there. So I'm excited to see what he does. But I, I do think it's interesting to watch on social media how people that are not have never watched The Boys before start watching it for him and are like, oh, my gosh, what is this show? And I just want to say you should really prepare yourself. You're going to watch this show. Know that you are not in for like some little, you know, pretty superhero show so this basically to me is the way superheroes would be in real life if superheroes existed they would be like the ones on the boys frankly <laughs> that's what i think <laughs> but i am excited to watch jensen ackles be able to curse do a bunch of things that he wasn't able to do on supernatural watch him play a very dark character that's really not a good character i'm assuming i mean he already seems like not a good character so i'm excited about that and that's on uh, amazon prime Okay, well, we are going to get into the lovely Emmett and Ted, and the way all these episodes are going to go, all four of the ones we have are, we're going to break them down by season. We're doing this because I know Ken's not here, but we're still going to do it for this one. We're doing this because Ken has not finished season five yet, so we want to make sure that he is not spoiled, so that's how I kind of broke it up, so we'll cover some important moments. I know these aren't all the storylines, but some of them for each character. Um, and I just want to go over really quickly who these characters are from Queers Folk. So we've got Emmett Honeycutt, who was a shopkeeper, a waiter, a housekeeper, a porn star, an event planner, um, queer guy, correspondent, and all around amazing, amazing person who was from, um, how could I not remember? M Mississippi, Hazelhurst, Mississippi. <laughs> And played by the amazing, wonderful, beautiful Peter Page. We love Peter Page. We love you so much. If you ever want to be on this show, I really need to start reaching out to the actress of Queer Folk. I don't know why I haven't done it. But 
should have you on here sometime. And then we're going to be talking about poor Ted. <laughs> like Eshel's shirt says. And if you still have some of those, Eshel, we'll put a link in the show notes to get those shirts. But Ted Schmidt, who, oh, poor Ted. He was the, well, he did become the CFO at Kinetic Corp, an accountant, CEO, CEO at jerkatwork.net bartender singing waiter has very low self-esteem played by also the very amazing lovely scott lowell who i also would love to have on here as well and these two are best friends they do date a little bit we'll talk about that coming up but first we want to tackle season one which you know really logistically you don't have as much ted and emmett in the first few seasons um they're kind of sidelined back burner characters and a little bit of trivia on Emmett that uh Peter Page recently said that um Billy Porter was originally in talks to play this character and I just think that's very interesting um as far as representation goes because that's one thing I will always critique queers folk on is it's very white <laughs> and very much just the L and the G so you know <laughs> but hey still love the show so in season one, one of the big, we'll start with Emmett here. One of his big storylines revolves around when Ted has a scare that he might have AIDS or have HIV AIDS and he goes to test and so does Emmett and Emmett, you know, gets a call from the doctor, thinks something's wrong and he promises God that if he never, if, if he Test if he uh, sorry if he tests negative he will never sleep with another man, and this leads him to one of many organizations that still exist um, called See the Light. I'm not saying it's necessarily this named, but organizations that are supposed to quote unquote cure you from homosexuality. So, Danelle, what were your thoughts first off? on this storyline for Emmett and how they handled it and having it be Emmett and choosing Emmett to be the character to go through this too, I think is important. I'm glad you asked that question. I was glad to see it in the, in the lineup for today because it was one of the most interesting, I think things that happened in the very first, you know, part um, of the show. And I think Emmett was a perfect candidate for it coming from a religious home coming from a small town in the Bible Belt. And you know what I mean? He was set up to have that internalized negative belief about who he who he is. And I think organizations like See the Light prey on people like that. They prey on people who have that background, you know, because it's, they're easier to manipulate in those situations. So I thought it was it was heartbreaking. You know, it was heartbreaking to see him go through that. But I also think it was really important because especially going back to when the show, you know, the show aired and stuff like that, it was still very much a thing. It was still happening. It was still happening. And it still is to an extent. But I think um, it was even more so back then. I know I know a few people who actually were pushed into that direction, um, into those organizations. So I, I love seeing his journey through that, as heartbreaking as it was. Yeah, yeah, they definitely still still exist. There's there's a documentary. I'm going to look it up here in a second because now I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Netflix. That's all about the continuing movement right now. So it's not something that has gone away, sadly. So, so and of course, right now, trans people are 
very, very much in danger and not just in danger for their, their lives are in danger constantly. So it's, it's also, that is a big, big thing. And the, the churches and religion is preying on that as well. So. Yeah. It yeah. feels like we've taken 10 steps backwards in the last couple of few years and it's, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's yeah. A whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um, so Ishelle, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah. So I have uh, several and I'll speak on my behalf and on Ken's behalf and I'll just throw out there. So he, Ken works in the neighborhood and it is pride weekend when we're recording this and it's like all hands on deck kind of situation. So unfortunately he couldn't get the break that he thought he was going to get to be here to join us. But some relevant things that he and I have been talking about from this weekend, they were protesting. They, there are a lot of um, kind of pride events going on around where he where he works because he works very much, like I said, in the neighborhood and there's all this stuff going on. And there, even today, there are people coming to this area that is supposed to be a safe area and protesting these things in the name of whatever religion or whatever um, political party they side with. So I think it was very appropriate that they brought this in. And as Ken and I were covering these episodes with Emmett and see the light in that journey, he and I both grew up in very I don't want to use the word religious because that has a bad uh, connotation sometimes, but we grew up according to a certain faith and that faith was shaped by the area we grew up in, which is a very small, conservative, very country area, very rural area. And so for him, what he was saying is, you know, seeing those episodes really, that was very triggering for him because he's had that struggle of trying to reconcile what he, what his faith is and what he believes with what he feels to be true to who he is and what's his nature. And so he's already had that going on internally. And then to see that on screen was very, I mean, he had a lot of emotions about that. And so he appreciated this, that the story was out there, but it just kind of triggered a lot of things in him. And so I know for a lot of people who are watching this show as an ally, or maybe even a, per a person who belongs to the LGBTQIA plus community, seeing this show, you just get irate about at the see the light people and I feel like Emmett's struggle in this could be a little bit lost. And so I tried to think about it from Emmett's perspective and just to see that he is going through that same battle. It's like, I've always been told this thing according to what I've believed and what I grew up believing and what my family says, but I know who I, I know how I feel. I know who I am. And I think that he had done all this growth of kind of moving past that, but then having that thing, like that promise that he made kind of pull him back to that and say, okay, well, but maybe I was wrong or maybe I owe it to my religion or my family or whatever to go back, to go backwards. So um, yeah, I'm just really grateful that they put it in here. I'm really gr grateful for the way that it, I think Ted's speech to Emmett is some of the best dialogue that we get from this series when he tells them like, God created you exactly as you and he loves you as you. And I think there's some people who don't want to hear about the God part of it, but for the people who do, who want to be able to hold on to that part of their faith, but also hold on, be true to who they are. I think that it was very important to have that in here. Yeah. Very, very well said. And, and I'm glad we got to hear some of the, some of Ken's thoughts, even though he's not here and some of that. So, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that and, and definitely thank him. Um, and like I said, hopefully, and, and I knew, you know, I always know when I'm doing pride month episodes, there are so many people that are so busy during this time. That's like, which makes sense that sometimes it's hard to get some people on. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
yeah, this stuff still happens. Um, Pasha and Eli, who have been on this podcast frequently, of course, um, help lead the Parasol Patrol, which goes and helps protect people from this kind of hatred. Um, and so, yes, it's a constant, constant struggle. And that documentary that I mentioned is called Pray Away on Netflix, and it's with ex-leaders and a survivor of the so-called conversion therapy movement speak. And then they also have um, a man on there who is, who said he used to be trans and then he's not anymore and he's going out there trying to, you know, it's, it, it's very sad because you watch him and see all the self-hatred that he has and he identifies as male now. That's why I'm saying he, but it's very, 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 very depressing and sad documentary, but I recommend it. Um, and especially watching people dealing with their own guilt over having created this organization from their own internalized homophobia. That's where a lot of this comes from is it's internalized homophobia. Um, and I think having Emmett be the character that goes through this is probably not the character on the surface that you might think would have because he seems so proud and out and very much himself. And so I think it was actually the best decision to have him do this because I think that's actually sadly realistic that it it's not always going to be who you think will, you know, it wouldn't be someone that necessarily isn't out yet or, I mean, someone can be out and having a, a, a wonderful life and then something can happen and they get preyed upon by these groups. So it can happen to anyone in the community. So I think it's very important that they covered that and that they did choose someone who I think on the surface, mainly to straight audiences probably, but on the surface wouldn't seem like that would be the general target or someone that would actually go over to try and be converted and try and be, you know, conversion therapy and all that. But I thought it was, it was a good choice and it gave um, Peter Page great material to work with and um, Scott Lowell as well, but Peter Page specifically. And, um, you know, and I, and I should have read up to see what he kind of has to say about what it was like for him personally to, to uh, do that and to portray that, to do that storyline. But yeah, I thought it was, it was a great thing. And one of the meatiest things he had to do the whole season, because like I said, season one, it's not <laughs> a lot of him, honestly. Um, so another thing I wanted to talk about with Emmett is um, Emmett is the most quote unquote flamboyant of all the characters, the main characters on this show. Uh, and this is a, uh, is something that is, that became more of a caricature. Like we talked about, like, I still love the show Will and Grace, but Will and Grace has a lot of issues and a big thing is making their characters not sexual at all. Um, but then they had the character of Jack who was very flamboyant, but also even though he claimed to be sexual, was never really seen that way. And Will is a whole other <laughs> story. Um, so they're safe for straight audiences, really. This show is very much made, not made for straight audiences. This it never was. It did appeal to a lot of straight women. But this show was not specifically targeted for straight audiences, which I think it makes a difference. And so when you have a character like Emmett, who in these other shows would have been the safe gay man, 
Um, and I think we deal a lot with that uh, coming up when we start talking about him being the queer guy and a couple other things that Emmett deals with, uh, with Gay of Blazes, that show and stuff like that. Um, but he is the most flamboyant, the most out. And, you know, Michael in the premiere episode even narrates and says, you know, it takes a real strong person to be a queen, you know, to be a queen and to be out there and to be so himself. And I know, um, and when I get to you, Michelle, I know that you had spoke a little bit about that and how Peter Page actually spoke about that, how it was not uh, considered within the community you don't want to be that flamboyant all the time. But Danelle, how do you think, uh, what do you think of the portrayal of him being the most flamboyant? You know, when I first saw this show, I was a little taken back. I'll admit that um, by his character because he was so in your face. But I also fell in love with him and I thought he was so much fun. And just because his character is so much fun, you know, he's somebody you want to hang out with. Um, and I love too that they have the courage to have characters that are diverse in the sense of that kind of range of who they are as a person. I mean, I know we've talked about the diversity issues of the show before, um, but I think you know what I mean, what I'm saying yeah. here as mm -hmm. far as, you know, just range of somebody being a little more out, a little more flamboyant, Ted being the more reserved, you know, like all the dichotomy there between all the characters. But yeah, I, I loved, Emmett was so much fun to watch because I never met anyone quite like him in real life. And so it was just kind of fun to see somebody just different and who they are and just not really care what other people think about how he is in the world. And I've always admired his character for that um, in the show. Uh, I thought about he was unapologetically who he was. And it didn't mean that he was more flamboyant just because he wanted to be. I mean, it's it's more to me, it was more about that's just who he was. That's who he is, right? That's who this character is um, coming from his heart. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's one of the characters that I would say I want to hang out with <laughs> for sure, just because he's so much fun. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah, you I want agree. him for brunch. Hello. Like, <laughs> first of all, he'd help whip up a really good brunch, but it would just be yeah. a lot of fun. Right? <laughs> a few mimosas in, you're having a good, you're having a grand time. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. Yep. So, Ishel. Yeah, we love Emmett. Um, and, you know, for me, it was different. I only knew of a flamboyant gay person or an in the closet down low gay person i didn't know mm -hmm. brian ted even justin i didn't know anything about that range of people so emmett was the one i was more familiar with but i love what they did with emmett's character he's not this two-dimensional clown caricature person and i think a lot of that had to do with probably what they wanted to portray because these are all gay men writing these characters but also they saw the potential in peter page and what he could do with that character and so I love that, yeah, Emmett could decorate your brunch, but he will also punch you in the face. <laughs> so, yes. I mean, he's the one that can change a tire. And he's the, like, so they really did a lot more with him. And so even though they did give him that flamboyant personality, they gave him a whole lot more. So like you were saying, like they didn't make him, and I don't want to just hate all over Will and Grace because I do think it has its place in, in queer history. But um, I, I like that they didn't make him just a, a Jack character that they did a lot more with him, but I also like that they were bold in that. And that the first time we see him, he's wearing 
a hot pink top and, <laughs> and some tangerine pleather pants. Like I absolutely love that because that is, he does represent a segment of the community. And so that was important. And you know, what you alluded to, Aaron, that's what Peter Page was saying is a lot of people didn't want to be that. Like it's not what you want it to be was the flamboyant person because that was associated with weakness and they didn't want to be seen as weak or seen as trying to be women or something like that because, you know, there's all this other junk with that. So I love the way that he portrayed that character and you never once, aside from the see the light stuff, but that was more kind of internal battle, whatnot. You never once see him apologize for the fact that his flame burns bright. (laughs) And so that's what we love about him. And I know for Ken, he sides more with, a flamboyant Emmett, but he life did not allow him to be that for a very long time. So he's just now getting more comfortable of like flipping his hair and popping his lips is what he, that's how he refers to it. But that's where he, he feels like that's the truest expression of himself. And so my hope and what I'm sure is true is for the men who do side, have more of a flamboyant expression of who they are, that they kind of found a home in, in Emmett's character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I do agree. Will and Grace does have, does have a significant place. We did. It was the very first thing we ever covered for pride was, was uh, Will and Grace. And I do still love the show. It's just, you know, there's, you know, steps. It's the small steps. Um, But yeah, Emmett. Yeah. And and I'm just like you, Ishelle, most, uh, a lot of the gay men I had in my life were very much Emmett's very, very, very much like Emmett. So for me, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't know I, Brian's. I never knew Brian's. <laughs> um, never. And um, Michael's, yes. Um, but never really like a, a lot of the other characters. So uh, I, that's what I thought was so great was seeing that character, but also making him not just a caricature. There's a very, 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 very big difference there. Uh, you could make this character be someone that the whole audience is supposed to laugh at and, you know, which has been done in the past or they're supposed to just be offering, you know, the comic relief. And granted, there's some comic relief with him, but he's not a character that we were supposed to laugh at. And that's not all he is. He's, you know, three dimensional. He's got lots of sides and he's a very, very, very sexual being. And that's also very important. And he's just so much himself which takes so much courage to be yourself and especially if yourself is going against um heteronormative ideals of what a man is supposed to be and also even what your community is saying you're supposed to be as a gay man it takes a lot of courage to do that to be yourself and i'm sure it's a long long journey and so for especially for someone who's coming from a Bi- the Bible Belt and coming from a community that is so usually and and probably true is very very much against that, and so for him to be so much, you know, like no, I am going to be myself. I'm going to be myself as much as I want to be myself, and I'm also going to change attire. I'm also going to be strong and I'm not just because I am flamboyant, just because I let my flame burn bright doesn't mean that I can't kick your butt if I have to. It doesn't mean I am just that. I am a lot of things. And I am it, honestly, even though I think Brian is the most interesting character of all the characters, Emmett is probably 
honestly my favorite in a lot of respects because he is just, he's the best friend you could ever ask for. He is, but he also makes mistakes and he's just so great to watch on his journey throughout this show, especially when they start giving him more stuff to do. And he's the one that I would want to hang out with the most out of all of these characters. He's the one that I would want to hang out with the most. I just, I love him so, so much, so much. And this is the one character that I think no matter who you are, if you watch this show, unless you're a horrible, awful person, but I think this is the one character that everyone will love. I mean, when Carla started watching this and Carla is going to be on our next episode, when Carla started watching this show, I had a feeling she wasn't going to like Brian, but I was like, if she doesn't like Emmett, I will be completely floored. And she loved Emmett right away. So, <laughs> and she loved it through the whole show. And so I would have been just absolutely shocked if she hadn't. So yes, he's the best. And, and Peter Page is just an amazing human being for, first and foremost, too. I just want to say that. So yeah, most of these real life people are amazing human beings. <laughs> so let's go down to Ted. Which I've said before, I love Ted. I do. But, you know, <laughs> I struggle with Ted sometimes. So Ted is the most, to me, comes off as the most, quote unquote, conservative of all these men. Although he is the most, he likes porn more than anybody I've ever seen on a show before. It's amazing. <laughs> it's gotten him into trouble. But what I first want to talk about is, um, and this is a character that, of course, comes up throughout the show, Blake. Uh, the first time we meet Blake, uh, Ted starts dating Blake. Blake um, is a drug addict, and he gives Ted some drugs way more than he should have, and Ted nearly dies. He has an overdose. So um, what, and I think... If I'm remembering correctly, no, I think that was just Justin. I, I thought he, I thought Ted was another character that was maybe supposed to only last for like one episode, but I know Justin was supposed to be gone. No, that's true. Um, that's well, in the, in the original uh, British the original. version. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, so Danelle, what are your thoughts on Ted and, and him nearly dying like right away? <laughs> Seeing that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that was kind of shocking that they went there so quickly. But again, I think there was there was a lot of things that were happening in in the community at the time. I think that you know the story was very relevant, right, with what happened with Lake and Ted. And um, the one thing I, I've struggled with Ted too a little bit. Um, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from there, Aaron. But I also love Ted because he is such a vulnerable person, you know, and he's got this naivete to him. You know, like, bless his heart. He was, you know, he really wanted to help Blake. And I think he really thought that he was kind of doing the right thing. And, you know, just trying to, I don't know what he, I, I don't, you know, completely know, understand the whole situation or what he was thinking, so to speak. Um, but it, it was, it was so shocking to see that happen so quickly. Um, and, and definitely I was kind of, you know, pulling for him, of course. Um, so Ted's story kind of drew me in quite a, pretty quickly just because I'd had that experience with dating someone who had a drug problem, so alcohol and drug problem. So to me, that was very eye-opening, um, you know, or very, <laughs> oh, I've been there. So seeing that was a little heartbreaking and, and shocking, but 
Ted also has a very interesting journey throughout the whole series. But yeah, the porn thing just, that's just cracks me up. But also like, uh, it was just so kind of overplayed, I think sometimes, at least for me, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how naive I really was when it came to, to that whole world. So it was definitely a learning curve. And my friends got a kick out of me watching those scenes. And <laughs> because I was like, oh my gosh. So, um, but yeah, Ted is, Ted is definitely an interesting character in his journey. They all have such interesting journeys and that's a credit to the writers and the actors too. You know, you were talking about Peter Page and his portrayal, um, his very complex portrayal of a flamboyant character. Like you said, he could punch you in the face for being a jerk and he can also be, you know, whip you up the brunch and, and within his feather boa and be fabulous while he was doing it. So I love that, <laughs> you know, and Teddy's the guy who could do your taxes, but he's also going to be your friend and play your opera. So, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. I love that. So it's a credit to to the actors, too, um, and the writers. But yeah, Ted, Ted and, and Blake's journey is definitely kind of a, a tough one throughout the series for me. There was times I really appreciated it. And then there was times I'm like, oh, just make it go away. So, yeah. I I actually really love Blake, so. <laughs> but I understand. I didn't like him in the first season because of because of Ted. But yeah, yeah. So, Ishel, what are your thoughts on that? I'm gonna try to keep this on topic here, <laughs> but uh, for Ted as a whole, okay. I have to admit, I love Scott Lowell like so much. He is an incredible human being. I love him so freaking much. And I try not to be biased toward Ted because I love Scott so much, but I really do. I really have developed a love for Ted's character because he really is the everyman. <laughs> he is the most kind of average basic of all of them. And I feel like that's the story that he's telling. And I think that's probably why a lot of people have so much trouble with him because whatever is kind of like the least of or the worst of, <laughs> you know, the experiences that humanity can have or the outlook that we can have. Ted has that for the most part. And that for some people, you don't want to see that, you know, because it's depressing or draining or annoying or whatever, or it's too close to the truth sometimes. And so I love what they did with Ted. And I like that we kind of, we'll get into this later, but I like that we get to see these kind of ebbs and flows and highs and lows with that character. But for where we are right now with the beginning of season one and thinking about, we could have lost him <laughs> right there. And you know, I don't know how much we would have cared at that point because we didn't really know much about him and he had been so Debbie Downer in the one to three episodes that we had of him, right? When it was supposed to happen. I don't know how much we would have cared. <laughs> so, but I'm glad that they didn't do it. Uh, I'm glad that they did keep him. I have not watched all of the UK version yet, but I do know that that character does die off. And so I like that they did not have him die, but I do think it was still important to include that because it was an introduction for Blake. And then like Danelle said, it was, it's very much a show of its time and it's telling what's going on then. And then you have to think about the reason Ted is doing it is because, you know, Ted is a character who has no faith or belief in himself at all. So of course he's going to be looking for that from external sources. And a lot of times it's in the most like silly or shallow things, be it his political stance or whatever, or, looks or some young guy that he can take care of or whatever he's always looking for some type of validation something he can take care of and he can love because he doesn't really turn any of that inward 
And so that's why he finds himself in that situation with Blake. Um, and so in uh, that takes a whole journey <laughs> that I won't get into right now with Blake and Ted, but I like that we meet them both at that place because they're both kind of searching for something and in trying to find that and have each other, it's a toxic combination. And so we got to see that, but he gets a second chance at the very beginning. And so we kind of get to see, we spend the rest of the series really seeing what he does with that second chance and then the third chance and the fourth chance um, in his life. So yeah, so all of that to say, I'm really glad that they did not kill him off. I know why they put that in there. And it's one of those things where it kind of makes more sense the further along you get into the into the series. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, I second that with Scott Lowell. I Scott Lowell, I really just adore you. You are such a great, wonderful human being. And go listen to Eshell's interview with Scott Lowell and Peter Page. Go, I mean, you've you've interviewed a lot of people involved with this show. So really, I really encourage you to go listen to those interviews with the writers as well. Um, I think they're very fascinating, interesting, but Scott is just, he's such a beautiful human being inside and out. And his real life friendship with Peter Page is, oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite, favorite things. I, I, I love their friendship on the show. So, you know, we'll get into the romantic side of that here soon, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I I love him. Um, And so even though I have problems with ted as a character at a whole he's like my least favorite of the five that we're going to be talking about it doesn't mean i don't love him because i do and scott lowell makes me love him more so i do agree with that uh but yeah i always want to say poor ted that's why i love that the shirt says poor ted because it fits because he's always just like he's he's his low self-esteem is so shattering to me and so sad because, you know, there's a whole scene in, in we haven't gone to season two, of course, but in season two where he's posing as, as a date for for Mel and all these straight women are just checking him out. He's <laughs> like, well, you would clean up if you were straight. <laughs> so it's that he struggles with that and with his identity as, as a gay man in that community of wanting to be more desirable and not thinking he is. And I think you know, Brian has even a conversation with him about that, that I think a lot of that is his own self-confidence. And if he was a little bit more confident, men would be drawn to him. And you see that later on. And so I think that's what's so interesting about his journey. And with having him be the character that overdosed, it's once again, just the same, like with Emmett, um, with the see the light with Ted, Ted is not the character on the surface. You would think would be the character that would overdose on drugs. Um, quite frankly, you would think it might be Brian or Justin because Justin's so young. And so being Ted was just such an interesting thing. And watching everybody else deal with that um, was also interesting. But I do agree. We, we didn't know Ted well enough at that point that it might not have had that much of an impact. It probably would have been more interesting watching all the other characters go through it. That, it, But losing him in the long run, it would have been awful. I can't imagine this show without Ted. Uh, but it was an interesting start of a journey that he, you know, that figures into his life for a long time. And you don't realize at that moment how it's really going to come to play for the rest of the series, you know, especially uh, in season three and four. So, yeah, you see a lot of that there, too. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, and then you also learn during this time. <laughs> Ted has like it's kind of it's kind of creepy. I'm gonna be honest. It's kind of creepy. His little shrine to Michael. Now this was something that was dropped so quickly. It was like it was like in the first season, and then like an episode in the the second season, then it's gone. But Ted has this massive crush on Michael, and you don't know about this until he is in the hospital. They go to his apartment, and they see basically a shrine of pictures to Michael. And so I just briefly wanted to know, Danelle, did you like this question? Was there ever a part of you that shipped them together is another question. (laughs) Oh, hell no. Um, (laughs) Hell to the no. When I first saw that shine, I was like, oh, creepy. Um, Same thing. I was like, okay, this dude's a creeper. Like, it kind of turned me off of Ted. And it was one of those things that we talked about, you know, kind of like you want to love Ted, but then you're like, what the heck's going on with this guy? And then, so, yeah, again, in the beginning, it kind of threw me. Um, I was not expecting that. And then when you see it, it's like, And not because... um, Ted, that's one of the things the show the, the sh- about the show that bothered me. Ted was always considered like the not cute one, but he's adorable. Can we just say that? Like, hello. <laughs> like, I always hated that. I'm like, if what? Like, it never made sense to me because I he's a he's a good looking man, actor. You know, the act, Scott's a good looking man, and I just thought it, uh, anyway. I just thought he was totally adorable. So that always bugged me. But the fact that his little crush on Michael or whatever it was, was creepy with a shrine and and I'm glad they dropped it. I was very glad that they kind of dropped that pretty quickly. And I I think it just kind of interfered with a more natural storyline to me of the whole Michael Bryan thing. So I think they were trying to create the whole, this like weird, you know, this one crushes on this one, this one crushes on this one kind of thing. And it just, it didn't work. So I'm glad that they picked up on that fast and dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a big fan of that one. <laughs> yeah. So, Ishelle, time to reveal your Ted uh, Michael t-shirt. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How dare you, Danelle, not be in favor of that ship? <laughs> it's like the I'm best so one sorry. ever. It's the best one to come out of this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a total lie. Um, no, I... Did not for one second want to see that for reasons that I didn't even know at the time, but later I definitely had them. But to me, I didn't really mind that they, I didn't mind that they dropped it because I don't think it had deep roots anyway, even though we see him with the kind of shrine thing. I think because we, we are getting that in like episode three or four, we had to, they had to do something to show it that he, it was like this big, whatever crush or something. So that's why they had to show it in that, that visual way. Maybe they just couldn't work up to it in the, you know, the rest of the plot or the dialogue or whatever. So I get why they did it that way, even though it did make him look like make him look like a creep. But Michael has pictures of him and Brian up in his, you know, forever fourteen year old bedroom. So, so there is that. Uh, but 
you know, I feel like it's one of those things, and it definitely makes sense for Ted's character. That's something we've been talking about a lot. What makes sense for these characters, whether we as the audience like it or not, it makes sense that he would fall. He would think that he was in love with someone who was his friend already, because the way that I see that friendship kind, that friend group kind of forming, I'm sure Michael was the one who kind of helped him come into the group or invited him into the group. And so he immediately kind of latched on to him. And so I think in his head, it was always more than that. And he also strikes me as a person who wants what they can't have in some ways, because then he can say, it's this other factor. Like That's why he had so much animosity toward Brian. It's Brian's fault that I can't have Michael. And that way he doesn't have to say it's, it's not because Michael doesn't like me or whatever. It's, it's Brian's fault that I can't have him. And um, so I feel like that's kind of what it was. And he's got that. I think Scott Lowell called it like that broken bird syndrome where he wants to take care of somebody. And so he really wanted to be that for, for Michael because he could see that Michael had a lot of that. Definitely season one, Michael, maybe all the way to season five, Michael has a lot of that uh, kind of wanting to be taken care of in a way. So it makes sense why he did have that crush on him. And a lot of people say that they kind of forgot about that plot line. They didn't. They just dealt with it pretty quickly at that surprise birthday party. They just said, you know, Brian told him, move on, <laughs> basically. Or if, I, if I'm going to let this go, you let that go. And so that's where he lets it go, which, again, I don't have a problem with that because I don't think it had deep roots. It just, like I said, he tries to find validation in these things that are very shallow sometimes. So even though he had this crush and it seemed like a big deal, I think it was truly shallow. Yeah, I, I don't have much more to add. To, you know, yeah, I would have never wanted to see them be together that to me they don't really have that kind of chemistry anyway so no and you know michael belongs with ben and will always belong with ben so <laughs> so no i i i never saw it it was it was kind of creepy though but you're right Ishelle. michael had the same kind of thing with brian i mean <laughs> so yeah it was it was but it did make sense and that and I love that broken bird syndrome thing, the broken wing syndrome thing, because that is very true of Ted. Um, Ted is the fixer because I think that's where he finds his place and he thinks that's what he's good for, which he's good for a lot more than that. But I think that's kind of where he kind of seems like he fits in. And that's why it's really interesting when we get to season three, his his journey there. But okay, let's move on to season two. And we're gonna combine these two items since they play off of each other. So Ted ends up getting fired from work chapter because he has caught masturbating to porn. And so he ends up taking his love of porn. He is like the perfect person to start this. I'm sorry, but it's perfect. I, well, actually, I'm not sorry because these are legitimate businesses. And he starts jerkatwork.net, which is the safe way to <laughs> jerk off at work. And... Because of a turn of a turn of events where uh, he loses the one porn star is not able to make it. And so he throws Emmett in and Emmett is a grower, not a shower. <laughs> you learn. And so Emmett becomes a porn star. Fetch Dixon, which if you don't know how that came to be, and if you don't know this game, I don't know if anybody of my panelists ever played this, but to get your porn star name, you combine the name of your first pet with the first street that you lived on. And that's how you get your porn star name. So this isn't on the outline, but I'm going to ask my panelists if they want to indulge. <laughs> they don't have to. <laughs> but Danelle, before I ask your thoughts on jerkatwork.net head during that, and then Emmett becoming a porn star, what would your porn star name be? If you feel comfortable. 
Oh my gosh, let me think about that for a second. I don't know what the first street name I lived on was because we moved so much and we lived with a lot of street numbers, so it wouldn't make sense. So the only one I can think of that had like a name, so it'd have been like Desi Odin. <laughs> wow, that would have been fantastic. So anyway, I said that out loud and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's wild. <laughs> so Emmett becoming a porn star and the whole Ted starting his business, that whole thing really cracked me up with him getting caught at work and then that whole storyline. I just remember laughing a lot about that um, and finding that really funny and then I was like, well, hey, it, you know, his love of porn, it makes sense, right? That he starts his own business. And he was very good at it. Um, he became very good at it. And Emmett being so sweet and then just kind of going to this world that's considered so dark was just kind of funny. And he's just who he is, you know? Like, he's just Emmett. Um, it doesn't really change him that much. I mean, a little, but like just the fact that he's still himself, it, it just was hysterical. And seeing him get some love, some validation for being himself was kind of fun too. Um, both of them actually, seeing them both be successful, you know, was kind of fun with Teddy, just his very... Um, like you mentioned earlier, his self-esteem, right? Just his extreme low self-esteem. Seeing him be successful and feeling good about what he was doing was really kind of a neat journey there. And seeing Emmett just kind of come out of his shell even a little bit more. I mean, yes, Emmett's flamboyant, but I don't think he fully, I mean, I think him becoming Fetch Dixon really pulled him out of that shell even more and just really furthered his journey to like I'm gonna be who the hell I am and y'all can just deal with it you know like that's what I loved about him so yeah I, I found that whole storyline just fun you know just a lot of, of a lot of fun and also I think acceptance of sex workers too you know I think it was very pro for especially for the time it was incredibly pro sex worker which I think is huge and we need to have more of you know, um, because it's a dangerous world for them and the way that they get treated is not okay. And I know you've had like Pasha and Elan who also do work in that area. Um, and it's important work that they do. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that, yeah, I was going to mention that too, because it is, it is very true. Yeah. So Ishelle, if you want to reveal what your porn star name would be, yeah, I will, because I did it on our show also a while back. It, well, okay, first, uh, I don't know why I was a child with a dog with this name. But anyway, mine it would be Cypress Bacardis Corvassier. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of names. <laughs> I don't know why my dog's name was Bacardi Corvassier, but it was. Okay. <laughs> it's probably because my, my mom had like no clue what that was and so <laughs> um I don't know but yeah so then Cypress was the, the street so mm -hmm. yeah so that is it but uh for Ted I really love that business venture for him because it was the way for him to combine what he spends all his time doing I mean he got fired for doing it it's a way for him to to do that and take his business sense and put that into into a business and we got to see him kind of grow that that empire so i like that they did that for him 
and for Emmett's role in it. So when I first refound the show and kind of went back through it, I was watching mostly don't do this. People support the art by buying or paying for the service or the DVDs. But I was watching clips through YouTube and you were just getting like little bits here and there from each each episode. And then I was like, okay, I need to go buy the DVDs because I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But anyway, that's that was my reintroduction back into the fandom for this show. And a lot of people complain about this storyline, about the Fetch Dixon storyline. And so I was all prepared to hate it when I actually started watching it and to feel like it drug on forever and that kind of thing. And then also I know this is Peter Page's least favorite thing (laughs) that he had to do as Emmett. And it was for personal reasons, not for the character of Emmett. It was just, he felt like, I don't want to do porn. I could go do porn (laughs) if I wanted to. I don't want to do that. So it was more for personal reasons, not for the character of the show. I mean, he believed this was the the right move or whatever. He was going to be, he was going to honor this move for the character because he obviously did. But anyway, I had all these other, you know, these other voices in my head telling me what to think about this storyline. So when I went back into it, I was determined to not do that. <laughs> and, uh, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying about Emmett being the flamboyant character. A lot of times people will write him off and not see ha- him as a sexy person, but he is like, Emmett's got a great body. <laughs> and there is a sexuality to him that's just different than, than what Brian oozes or what, you know, some of the other characters ooze. It's just different. And so when I looked at it like that, I was like, no, he really is. Like, I see why people would be drawn to, coming to watch this man on, on their screen. And so I really liked that. That was another way where they added another dimension to, to Emmett because they didn't portray him as like a twink or whatever. I mean, you see him there with the, you know, the fireman suit or a sailor suit, just all these different characters that he was portraying as Fetch Dixon. So I really like how it showed another layer of Emmett's character, how you were saying it validated the profession of being a sex worker. And I, love what it did for uh, what the business did for for Ted for the time while it was while it was functioning. So I really enjoyed this storyline the second time around. Um not letting the outside voices get to me. <laughs> that that's interesting. I actually did not know that about I know a lot of different things that the 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 pe- people in the fandom think, but I did not know that and and I know when I first watched this, I mean, I didn't really hear a lot of reactions from other people except for my friend Joyce cuz Joyce and I would watch this show together that was like our thing we would get together and then we lived together f- during the third season so we'd watch it live and yeah um, well remember it was like 2018 when i watched it so people had said no, all they I had know, to say i know i know but i know but, <laughs> so, I, but yeah. i'm just saying that's why i didn't hear it then but then yeah. even now i i haven't heard that so that's that's interesting i had heard that uh, uh peter page's thoughts though i'd heard that before of course but uh but i hadn't heard that part i you know frankly i think sex workers deserve a heck of a lot more respect and love in this world than they get um decriminalized 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 which is a lot different than legalized so you can look that up you can go back and listen to a recent interview we did with jody milliman who wrote this novel called hooker avenue and she talks about that in there too she's an attorney as well so i mean it's a thriller novel but she talks about that so go listen to that um and of course pasha like we said, she uh, deals a lot with that, with de- decriminalization. It's very important. There's a big distinction there. So anyway, my porn name would be, and I put the dog's name first all the time, but my porn name would be Sandy York. And I think <laughs> it's the most porn of porn names. 
I don't know. I've watched, I, I I will admit, I have watched a lot of pornography in my time. We talked about women and eroticism last year. Pasha was on that one and Sasha. That was a great episode. And I have seen gay porn as well. So like I've seen the, the real thing. And anyway, so I, I liked this storyline a lot. I, You know, it's funny because with Ted getting fired, I, I have to say, even though there was a lot of homophobia involved in that, I have to say, your workplace is not necessarily a place I would think that you should be jerking off at. I mean, honestly, I will say that. I, I'm not saying that I think it's okay to discriminate because I don't, but I do think um, you shouldn't necessarily, if you're working in like a business office, be jerking off at work. But anyway, that aside, I think this was the perfect fit for Ted because Ted knows this world because he loves this world and he consumes this world. And he was so good at it um, up until it sadly happens in season three, but he was so good at it. He's a good businessman. He knows how to handle money. Um, he knows the world. He knows what will appeal to people. And then bringing Emmett in was a really interesting fit because I don't think, I think Emmett was very unsure about this. You saw that at, at first. This was not something he had ever planned to do with his life. And it was interesting watching him deal with, you know, you're watching Ted controlling him, basically. And, you know, Brian's saying, hey, look, you have no control and he's getting all the money, but you're the star. You should be getting everything. And then, you know, Emmett kind of goes on a power trip a little bit there, too, which fits Emmett. Uh, because he becomes such a big star. I mean, you know, he's even up for an award later on <laughs> and wins. So, <laughs> but I, I liked watching Emmett in that because I thought it was kind of empowering for his character in some respects. I thought it was a way for him to really like, I don't know, embrace himself in a different way and embrace his body and embrace um, the power his body had. And I liked it for him. And he he's a very attractive man he's very attractive all these people are attractive i mean come on <laughs> so <laughs> yeah he's a very 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 attractive man so i, I liked the storyline i never had an issue with it though from the very beginning i never had an issue with it but yeah okay well we're going to talk about a couple of of relationship wise here so through jerkatwork.net and through fetch dixon's fame he meets George Shickle of Shickle's Pickles, <laughs> a very rich, older man who loves Fetch Dixon. And Emmett does end up having a relationship with him. He sadly passes away when they are in the middle of joining the Mile High Club because um, he's going to take him on this big trip and then he ends up leaving all his money to him and all this stuff. So what were your thoughts on this relationship with George Shickle? Now, I was kind of surprised at the direction they took with that show, you know, with the show or with Emmett's character there, but I, it was kind of fun. I mean, at first I, I didn't quite like George, but then I grew to like him a lot and I thought he was kind of a, a grounding force for Emmett a little bit because Emmett was so popular, right, <laughs> as Fetch. Um, and it was, I wouldn't say quite got to his head, but maybe he was feeling his oats a little bit with it. And, you know, I think him meeting George was the epitome of that on one level. And then I think as a relationship grew, I think he was more of the grounding force for, for Emmett, you know, kind of brought Emmett back to more of a reality. 
he was, you know, it was committed relationship. It wasn't just about him being the star. They were having fun together. They truly cared about each other. So, and it was kind of fun to see Emmett have that, you know, have such a stability, that stability mm-hmm. and, and love. So, and it was fun to see Ted, you know, his confidence grow as the business grew and things like that too. Ishelle, did you like this relationship? So I loved the George and Emmett relationship. I love that they went the May-December route here for many reasons. One, it kind of challenged Emmett's superficialness a little bit when it came to what he was expecting in A Prince Charming. And so for him to see George and you know, initially he thought it was the butler was the guy who sent him the really nice bracelet, I think it was, or whatever it was. But then when he sees George, it's like, oh, no, I don't I don't know about that. And so I like that it kind of challenged that for him. But I also like it for the December person in this who that's true for a lot of gay men. They don't come out until later in life. And so I really like that they did speak for that audience as well, for those men who are in their 50s or 60s or 70s, even and just now getting to pursue the type of love and relationship that they've always wanted to to pursue. So I really like that that was in there. And I, I like that it was, I like that it was in its character because he's the one who, when you think of a fairy tale story, that's the one that you kind of uh, see with that. And then the other thing for George, so I know a lot of people didn't like George at first because he, when Emmett first comes over, he's trying to offer him money for his services. But when you think about it, George has probably only ever, he's all probably always had to pay for it. That's probably the only way that he's been able to indulge with that side of himself we know that he had something with the pool boy and of course there's money exchanging hands in that situation whether or not it was an exchange explicitly in exchange for a sexual favor or not that was the relationship that they had and so that's probably what he's used to and he's not just naturally found someone on the street or whatever and fallen in love with them so i think that's probably why he initially went that route and him it was a sex worker and so he just kind of assumed this is, you know, shouldn't have assumed, but I get why he did assume that. But I thought it was a very beautiful relationship and it was exactly what the two of them needed for different reasons at that time. It was short lived because of his untimely death, but at least he got to experience a bit of that before. Um, and then for Emmett, I think it was good for him because George reminded him to be Emmett, <laughs> like always stay true to who you are. And so that was the lesson that got to stick with Emmett. And I feel like if anything, that lesson was drilled in a little bit deeper because we lost George. And it's kind of that last thing that he was telling him, like you, if, if you have someone in your life and they're telling you things all your, like all this time, you kind of remember those last lessons that they give you. And so I feel like that's what George was for Emmett. So I'm really glad that we, that we had to go through the fetch thing, <laughs> you know, to get to, to get to George Schickle. I agree. Yeah. And, and it is, I mean, it is off putting at first when he does try and offer him money, but he does, George does get called on that by, by Emmett, you know, and and there is, I think a, a learning thing going on there for George and it is, he's come out late in life. And I think, you know, the relationship grew on me and I really did like and appreciate it a lot. And I appreciated that Emmett was able to give George something he had never had in his whole life of this moment in time where he could be completely 100% himself. And he had never had that in his life. And that's a beautiful thing to give someone. I mean, the fact that he takes him to Babylon and 
all that stuff was very beautiful to watch and watching Emmett grow during that too and dealing with that superficialness there and dealing with uh, the power dynamics and then being on the same page and being on the same level and also dealing with, um, you know, having someone who really, really cares about him and also wants to show him a beautiful life and not just a life where he's struggling financially was also a, a lovely thing to see. And I thought they had great chemistry together too. So I, I appreciated the storyline. Yeah. So as season two winds down, Ted starts developing feelings for Emmett and Emmett kind of, you know, you know, rejects him at first until the rage party at Babylon. And then they, they end up kissing and, you know, and then we'll get into the relationship next year. But Danelle, what did you think of that, of Ted developing feelings for Emmett? Yeah. So I have a hard time with this one. I kind of go back and forth a little bit because I love Ted and Emmett's friendship. And I think at first it just didn't really go there for me. I mean, it kind of flowed after a while, but I still just never really bought into those two being together. I don't know why. And I think it's just because I love their friendship so much. I know it's just kind of, you know, you should be friends, <laughs> right? So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth. There's sometimes that I really did like the them being together. And I don't know how I would feel if I rewatched again. I've watched the series twice now. And it'd be interesting to go back a third time and see how I feel during that section again, because I've kind of gone back and forth, like I said. But I always feel like the characters have great chemistry. I just felt like it was more of a deep friendship rather than, but platonic friendship, not a romantic relationship, friendship type thing going on. Mm -hmm. So for me, it would just was not my favorite storyline for those two characters so <laughs> I'll, I'll have to leave it at that <laughs> and Ishel. so i did not hate it i think i'll say on the front end i preferred them as friends but i did not hate their relationship and i think it made sense that he and we'll talk maybe a little bit more about it in a, in a bit but i think it made sense for ted to start feeling for his feelings to start evolving toward Toward Emmett, I mean, at this point, they had already helped each other through some pretty major life stuff. I mean, em Ted almost died, <laughs> and then, uh, and then having he lose, lost his job, and then building his new business, and then for Emmett, he's just lost George, and so they've been been there for each other, and they've always loved each other, and it's been this unconditional love between them, and so it makes sense that Emmett that, that Ted would say, "Okay, I want a relationship. I want to be in love with someone. Oh, here's someone who already loves me." And so it makes sense that he would think that he would go there first. And I get why Emmett was a little bit slower to, to get to that point. And he didn't get there until later. And also in friend groups that happens, like there's typically not in every friend group, but it, it does happen in friend groups where it's like, okay, they're single. I'm single. We've been friends all these years. We already know each other's good, bad, and ugly. Why not give it, give it a try. And so I totally get why they, why they did that, why they went that route with those two characters. Again, my I think my preference for them is as friends, but I did not hate them as a couple. Yeah, I don't like them as a couple. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not a, but I will say it makes perfect sense. Even though I don't like them as a couple, it didn't, it didn't shock me. It didn't surprise me. 
Ted falling for Emmett first was the most logical thing that could ever have happened between these two characters. So it makes perfect sense to me. I don't like them together as a couple. I like their friendship, but it made sense. So even with Emmett having feelings for him and their whole relationship, it made sense, even though I didn't like it together. So I never, so even though I didn't like them, I didn't have a problem with them because it was a logical trajectory that the show to, for the show to take. It actually would have been very shocking if this show had gone along and they never did develop feelings for each other. I'm not saying you, you, cause you can very easily have platonic relationships with, with people, but I think for, especially with these characters, especially Ted, it makes perfect sense that Ted, who is so eager for love, desperate for love would be like, this is my best friend and I love him and he loves me and he sees me as a beautiful human being. So I'm going to fall in love with him. And it, it just made sense. It didn't shock me at all when it happened. Um, I think though, I will say the first time I watched this, I think I actually did. I actually was rooting for them to get together. And then that, that changed a lot, but yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. So we're going to start talking about season three and I'm just going to throw some quick trigger warnings out there for this part uh, because we are going to be talking a lot about uh, about drug addiction and I don't know if it'll come up but um, the sexual assault isn't is another part of this so I wanted to throw those out there before we start talking about season three and I want to combine all of these for time we're just going to combine it all together basically we're just going to talk about Ted and Emmett's relationship because in season three they start dating so they are together um, Ted is still successful in this business until um, the cops arrest him. His business gets shut down. It's found out that someone who was working for him actually had a fake ID and was underage and shouldn't have been working for him. And it was not Ted's fault. It was that person's fault. And so Ted has a spiral downhill and he ends up starting to use drugs, becomes a drug addict, treats Emmett like complete trash. And then he ends up checking himself into rehab at the end of the series after um, he find he sees a video of him basically being gang raped is the best is the way to put it because that's really what was happening there um and meanwhile emmett uh starts seeing his career go up and this is when he starts doing the catering stuff and that as well and then he's struggling with the fact that this man he loves is uh, slipping down this hill and very fast Janelle, what were your thoughts on all these storylines? Yeah, there's so much there that happens. I mean, it is just, there's a lot that happens there, right, with all of that. I was so bummed out for for Ted, you know, when the business, with when, when it happened with the underage kid who who lied and had the, the fake idea and stuff, because that spiral that he goes on is just heartbreaking. It's so sad because here's this guy who just can't get a freaking win. <laughs> Like, you know, he finally starts doing well. And then, uh, you know, it's like, it just felt so bad for him in that, 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 um, at, in that area. 
So him and Emmett's relationship, though, when it starts to go downhill, it was hard to see Ted become this kind of jerk, you know, because he was such a nice guy. And and obviously it was the drugs and the addiction. And Emmett, when he commits to something, he gives 110%. You know, he fully committed to being in that relationship. And unfortunately, Teddy's self-loathing and you know, all of his self-esteem issues that he hadn't dealt with really didn't go away when he became successful. It was just kind of bombed over by the success of his business. And so when he spirals, it's just, you know, watching those two go through that is heartbreaking. And it's, and it's especially sad because, you know, Emmett starts when he gives up being fetch and becomes successful as a caterer, you know, it's overshadowed by what's going on with Ted. And, and it's sad to see that as well. So that's when I kind of bought into the relationship more in a weird way, though, um, because it just seemed like it was more genuine then um, and more plausible. And I know that's really weird because it was such a sad point in their relationship. But it did seem like, OK, because um, you do see Teddy trying. But yeah. And then when he just finally, you know, um, when he finally hits the bottom and what happens at the, uh, I guess it was like the white party, right? If I remember right. It was just like a, a time when they oh, were that's like, right. that's smile. right. It was just some guy, that random weird the guy. guy that was basically the drug dealer yeah. for the whole group. And that he yeah. met at that, he met when he went to that party at the motel or that's right. that Yes. Thank you. Um, oh, that guy. Anyway, just want to like but yeah that was so so heartbreaking and awful and again it's something that's not talked about a lot in in the lgbtqa plus community too and so i think it was very significant that they showed something like that on the show to bring awareness to rape and, and sexual assault happening in the community and you know just the violence around it and what happened to to ted so yeah, that whole, that whole, <laughs> so much happening there. And it was so heartbreaking. But again, it, it really solidified my love of the show in a weird way, I guess. And, and my appreciation for the actors and the writers and, and what they put out there because it was so heavy. And yet they managed to do it very well, I think. And Isha? Yeah, that storyline is the hardest thing to, to watch. And it is so incredibly well acted and well done and well written but it is so painful to watch everything that happens to the two of those men over the course of season three when I when I was interviewing Peter Page about this he was telling me how he had real life experience with with that kind of situation and I think it I can't remember if it was before or after I'm gonna misquote him here but the point is he had real life experience with that in just to be, because you think, why would Emmett put up with that? But nobody goes into it saying, I'm going to put up with that. And it's just kind of the slow thing that started happening. And one of the great things about Emmett's character, which is a strength and also a weakness, is that he puts other people before himself. And that's what he was doing here. He loved Ted and he understood that Ted was going through a hard time. And so his thing was, I'm going to be there for him through this. I'm going to help him through this. And then, you know, most of us don't know the right way to love and help a person in every situation. We we try, we have the right intention and the right motives, but we don't always have the right actions behind that. And so there are a lot of things that that he ended up enabling him in some ways. 
And I think, but it was out of an attempt to love him, to love him well. I mean, he got defensive of Ted. He he planned the whole party for him and Dr. Crystal and Dr. Crystal's friends. And and he left for him to have that. And you're just like, why would you do that, Emmett? But he's trying to love him. And then at that point, he's getting a little bit fed up, but he doesn't know what else to do. And he's been keeping a lid on this, probably because he's embarrassed. But a lot of it is to protect Ted, to protect Ted's name and his image and his reputation among their friend group and not wanting to just kind of throw him out there and put all his business out there. So he was very lonely in all of this. Emmett was. And then you have Ted who, I mean, addiction is addiction. And a lot of what he was doing was because of his addiction. And so you want to rail against Ted for this, but you have to understand the, the poison and the strength that addiction has that comes with it. And so to see him slip further and further down into this, again, a character that at first on the front end, you're like, why would this be Ted? But it totally makes sense. You know, they talk about when I was talking to the writers about this, they use for an example, um, Leslie Jordan and how he, when he was deep in the drug scene, he said, it, it made me feel pretty. I wanted to feel desirable. It made me feel pretty. And that's exactly what it started out as for, for Ted. It was like, this makes me, nothing else in my life makes me feel good. Not even my relationship anymore, because looking at him, it makes me feel terrible because he's thriving and I'm struggling. And it's never been that way. And that's a total dynamic shift for them. I mean, we saw Emmett having to borrow $10 from Ted. And at this point, now it looks like Emmett has everything and Ted has nothing. And you you brought this up earlier, Erin. Emmett needs, I mean, Ted needs to be able to, to help and to provide and to fix. Well, he can't do that. So he's got, to him, he's got no value, no worth. So he's trying to find it in something. And unfortunately, he turns to, to, uh, to drugs. And that was something that was very prevalent during that time. And in some ways still is in the community, which is a very sad thing, especially when you track why so many people still fall into it. So I think this is what I said at the very beginning, what makes Ted one of the characters that is kind of hard to love because he is so human and so relatable. And seeing him go through something like this that is so raw and so real and so human was just a very hard thing to watch and to see what it did to their, to their relationship and to their friendship uh, was just kind of soul crushing. And then to see what it all, what happens with to him at that party. And I mean, you watch that and you, you don't even want to, but it just kind of shows up on your screen before you even realize what's happening. And, and then you think about every single story that they told on the show was rooted in some kind of truth. And that's not one person's truth. That is, and un- the truth for an un- untold number of people, it, which is also heartbreaking. Um, but at least for Ted, it showed him, okay, this is a rock bottom that I've got to climb back up from. So I love what we get to see at the very end of the season where he does go into rehab. But that whole journey is just a lot. Okay, I'm probably not going to make people very happy here, but I hate this storyline. I think it's an important storyline. I'm not saying it's not important. And I think the performances by both Peter Page and Scott Lowell are amazing. But season three is my least favorite season of Queer as Folk. And a big reason is this storyline, I will say. And it's not that I don't think it's important to tell this stuff. I do. I just, if I, when I rewatch this, except for if I'm preparing for something podcast-wise, I fast-forward any scenes with this. I can't watch it. It makes me physically ill. It makes me really uncomfortable. And I know that is the point. And I know 
I understand the importance of it. I just personally hate, hate, hate this storyline so much. And I'm not saying it doesn't make sense because it actually makes perfect sense that Ted, this would happen to Ted when he's, when he loses everything. It's just, it could be personally, it's does weird things to me. That's probably what it is. It's probably personally triggering. And uh, the hardest scene of the whole third season to watch for me is the scene when Ted and Emmett have sex when Ted is high and when he wants Emmett to be high. And that to me verges on sexual assault. And it's very difficult to watch that scene. I can't watch that scene. I think that is the worst thing Ted has ever done in this series. And watching Emmett in that scene was heartbreaking. And I totally understand why Emmett didn't immediately turn his back on Ted. It makes perfect sense. It's completely logical. He loves him. He is lost. He doesn't know what to do. But for me personally, I have an easier time with it once Ted's out of this. It was just very hard. And I think it's just because it's so realistic and so well done. So even though, so it's very weird to talk about it because I know it's so well done and it's so important. It's such an important storyline, but I hate it so much and I can't, it's very hard to watch it. I, and I fast forward or mute most of it. It's makes my skin crawl. So <laughs> that's all I'm going to add with that because it's just a, I do love Emmett becoming a caterer and a party planner and I think it fits him perfectly and I absolutely love 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 that storyline for him and I love it too because he becomes more through that he be he has more confidence in himself and I think even though he's first very much like forgiving anything Ted does which makes sense but I think through having that career, through having, through blossoming through that, I think that actually helps him have the courage and the strength to leave Ted. Uh, I really do. I think that actually helps him cope with that and cope with a lot of what he goes through in season four. So, but yeah, I, I don't, it's not to insult the actors because I think they're great. And it's not to insult the fact that this is an important storyline. I just absolutely hate it. And that's why I don't like season three as much as the other seasons. Still my favorite all-time show, but yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so now let's move on to season four. And of course, Ted and Emmett are no longer together. Ted is in rehab and Emmett is dealing with the aftermath of Ted's addiction. And he's dealing with a lot of anger, lots of anger. So what are your thoughts on how they handled Emmett dealing with the aftermath of Ted's addiction to now? I really like what you had to say about it being heartbreaking and, and just hard to watch because it, it was. And, and especially when you talked about their relationship, the way it disintegrates and, and the, what happens between um, Ted and Emmett. I almost forgot about that scene probably because it is kind of traumatic to watch and it is so heartbreaking. Um, so, yeah, it does make it very difficult very difficult season to watch um, in that sense. And going into season four, I think Emmett has every right to be angry, you know, so I feel it's justified. My heart also goes out to Ted um, because, you know, he, he's, you know, a lot of people 
who have addiction issues have such low self-esteem and it stems from a lot of that and other things from their childhood and, and other abuses and things that they went through. And I think, you know, for Ted, it's such a journey for to see him kind of, you know, I think you mentioned it, Michelle, that going up and down, you know, he has for, he's one of those characters. I mean, his arc isn't like a line or kind of a hill. It's like a roller coaster. Um, and I think that's what makes him such an interesting character because you kind of see this whole range of everything to nothing to redemption to, you know, him being a jerk, like all of these things that kind of goes through, um, you know, that storyline with Ted. So his recovery is really fascinating. Seeing him kind of come to terms with who he is um, and realizing that his self-esteem issues, you know, he starts to deal with it finally in recovery. And I, I think that's a really cool growing point for the character. You know, and I, I'm glad that Emmett gets angry. I'm glad that Emmett's angry because he really needed to be angry, you know? And I think it, it shows that what happens to people who love somebody who's an addict, you know? And, and having gone through that, and I know I'm not alone here on this panel having dealt with that. And it's, it's you know, there's so, you feel so helpless. You feel so helpless. And I think, you know, when Emmett throws himself into his work and growing his business, that's how he kind of copes with it. And, well, tries to, but he kind of ignores it, right? Until it all comes crashing down. So yeah, I think his anger is justified. I think it's a, a really interesting growing point for, for Emmett as well. I think he loses a little bit of that kind of innocence that he has as a character there. I think that shine that he doesn't lose his shine. Okay, his flame's still there and it's still beautiful and bright. But I think he loses a little bit of that, just a little bit of that naivete um, that we kind of love about Emmett. And you know, it's so his his arc there is really cool um, to see him grow like that as well. But sad. <laughs> I think it's going three into four is like the saddest one of the saddest parts of the, the show to me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle. I like that Emmett's anger is present here because I feel like that's a very honest reaction, but it's also a very tricky thing. Like if you have a loved one in your life who has dealt with or still deals with addiction, the anger that you feel as the family member or the partner or the loved one or friend or whatever sometimes you feel like it's not fair because you can't, I can't tell you how angry you're making me or how much you're upsetting me because I don't want to push you back to square one. And so you feel like you can't really get that out a lot of times. Like you, they can say everything that they want to say and all of your energy has to be spent on their recovery. Sometimes you feel that way. I'm not saying that everybody ha has that experience, but that was my personal experience. And you have you're upset and you're hurt and you feel betrayed and you don't understand. And you're like, why do you keep doing this to you and to us and to everyone around us? And a lot of times, like I was saying, you don't feel like you can put that anger out there. So I like that they wrote it for Emmett's character to be able to do it. And, and I mean, he was justified in what he felt like some of the things that he did or said, maybe those were, maybe those crossed some lines or whatever, but I really do love that they let him, they let this character grapple with that. 
about um, with those feelings and he didn't have to immediately jump in to try and fix things because I don't think that we get the image that we end up with later in the series had he not been able to be honest about how hurt and how angry he was. Now, initially, he wanted everyone else to be as angry as he was, but and they were all betrayed and hurt in different ways. You know, the girls, they lost the money, which Emmett took it upon himself to pay back to them and just other things that had happened with within the friend group and how other people were a little kind of affected by what, what was going on with Ted. And he wanted everyone else, Emmett wanted everyone else to kind of stand on his side with this. And then you have Blake coming back into the picture and he's like, oh, you get to have this guy that you fell in love with before, like everything gets to be great for you. But meanwhile, I'm over here in shambles because of everything that you did. So I do feel like Emmett's anger was very important. I feel like it's very appropriate. And again, I'm glad that they got to, that they got to show that, but I'm also glad that it ultimately ended with him being able to, to forgive um, or to at least kind of say, I'm going to let, I'm going to say my piece about this and then I'm going to let go because the only way we can move forward it's for me to be able to loose some of this. And I like the role that the fairy gathering had in doing that as well for him. Yeah. Yeah. I did basically everything that, that, that has been said. I think Peter page is performance through the seasons. I think uh, I'm probably tired, here, but season four is one of my favorites for him just because he goes through a lot and it's a different side of Emmett. It's not, it's a side we haven't really seen before. This overwhelming anger that is all born out of hurt and betrayal. He was betrayed by the person that he trusted more than anything in the world. And it was a deep, deep betrayal. And he also feels, whether it's true or not, he feels betrayed in some respects by his friends because he feels like they should all be on his side and no one should be supporting Ted, even though Ted is recovering. And watching him on the journey toward forgiving Ted and becoming eventually friends with Ted again is also really interesting to watch because it's totally understandable that he wouldn't want to do that right away. Um, but when he finally reads the letter that Ted wrote him, and that is the first step for him on that journey to becoming friends with Ted again, because they can never be in a relationship again, but to be able to get to that point where they are friends again was beautiful and I really, really loved that. And and I I love Emmett's journey throughout this season. So yeah, so I, I liked that a lot for him. And uh, another thing that happens, and I know very people are very mixed on this character. <laughs> um <laughs> very mixed. I know if Carla was here, I believe Carla absolutely hates this character. But Emmett at a party that he's catering meets Drew Boyd, a football star who is a closeted football star, and they begin to have a secret relationship. So, Janelle, do you like Drew? And did you like this storyline? <laughs> it's a mixed bag, right? I I love that it got me somebody new, you know, and have something exciting after everything that went on with Emmett. At the same time, I every red flag you know, is there because Drew being closeted and all of that. But I also kind of liked them together in a weird way because I think it was just kind of a fun, like they were kind of some opposite, they had some opposite thing, attract thing going on that was kind of fun. And I think that they were actually good for each other in a way. But I think he just, Drew just couldn't 
you know, ultimately just couldn't let himself be who he was, you know, and the pressures. Um, so that was one of the things that I liked about that storyline that I thought was an important story to tell is that, yeah, there are um, queer people in sports, you know, <laughs> newsflash. <laughs> um, and I, I think the forced closeting of people in, in those types of roles or positions in society that's got to change. And I, I think that was a really kind of big middle finger to, to that, you know, like the way that they have this character. Yeah. We're going to show somebody who's in this professional sporting event, you know, field and yes, he's gay. And yes, a, a gay man can be seen as quote unquote masculine, whatever that's supposed to be. And, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. You know, like, so that was one of the things that I, I did like about the character. But yeah, it's kind of a, it was kind of a mixed bag for me, to be honest. You know, I just wanted to see Emmett happy. So it was kind of like, it may, no, okay. You know, like it was just kind of a, it was almost a letdown because I kind of wanted to see them, you know, see Emmett have something fun, be happy. <laughs> Ishel. So I get to be the Aaron this time. I don't know that anybody's going to like what I have to say about this, but I actually give Drew a lot of grace. And part of me wonders what the writers of this show knew about happening in the real world, because there are definitely professional athletes who are in the closet. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. But um, so I kind of wonder if they were telling somebody's true story. But anyway, so because I know that that is a very real thing, and I know that for those, you would say, and I hate when people, you can't tell somebody, well, you ought to be able to come out. You just, you just can't do that, you know? And um, people will say, well, he should just come out. He should just be honest with who he is. Like, you don't know people's internal things. I have a friend that to this day, and as loving and accepting, I mean, I have a whole podcast that is about queer stuff. And I have a friend who still, for 10 years, has not spoken to me because nothing that I did, but he's going through his own journey of coming out and all that stuff. And he, he cut off everyone from his life. Like all of his friends, all of his family, he cut us all off and we are all ready to embrace him, but he's on his own journey, you know? And so you can't, I don't, I can't get behind that line of thinking that says Drew should just come on. You know, I'm talking about season four. I can't get behind that line of thinking that says shame on him. He should just come on out of the closet. Uh, now, it's not fair to expect Emmett to go back into the closet to be with him. That's a whole different situation. So I, I want to make that clear. I'm not saying that Emmett should be like, okay, well, that's your journey. So I'm going to do that with you because that's Emmett's choice to say, I'm willing to do that or no, I'm not. But I give Drew a lot of grace. And what I, I think what helps me with that is they made it very clear to us that he did develop feelings for Emmett. Even in season four, we can see that he really did care for, for Emmett. And so it wasn't just a hotel hookup, you know, now true in his mind, he's still telling himself his mantra. I'm going to get married, have kids. I'm going to live the American dream. He's still telling himself that, but clearly he wants something totally contrary to that because he keeps coming to this room to meet with Emmett. So I like that they cross paths. And I mean, I hate that there was the whole affair side to it. I hate that of course, but I still like that they did cross paths because I think that relationship put Drew's feet to the fire. And for Emmett, it was also, we see what he learned from Ted. It was like, no, I'm going to prioritize me. Even in this relationship, I'm going to prioritize me. And I understand what is true for you right now, what you need right now, but I'm also going to do what's best for me. So 
I'm going to leave you here in this room and I'm going to go out and live my life. So I really like that that relationship was in there. I love Drew. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I love Drew. I liked Drew and Emma Good. together. I didn't I want totally to be alone in that. <laughs> You're not alone in that. I love Drew. And I know I understand not liking Drew. I'm not saying I don't understand it because I do. I I don't. I don't like some of the ways he treated Emmett. I will say that. But overall, I, I think he's a really, really interesting character. And I'm really glad they created this character because this isn't a character you see all the time in queer stories. So I was really happy to have that there. And I I love him and Emmett together. That's my Emmett ship is Drew. Always will be. Uh, Peter Page ships them, so Peter Page is on our side. Um, so I, I, I like them. I, I, but yes, he should not. Emmett should not have to go back in the closet for him. But this is Drew's journey, and when, and especially, you know, he's in a world that is so, so, quote unquote, masculine and heteronormative, and it's very much that way. And so to come out in that world, I think, is a very, very, very hard thing to do. And there are some out athletes. There are some recent out athletes. But there are a lot of athletes that aren't out because of that very thing. So I thought it was a good storyline to have. And I will ship Drew and Emmett forever, forever and ever <laughs> and ever and ever. <laughs> so I'm glad that I have something else on my side, too, because I'm like, nobody likes this guy. I like this guy. I'm not saying he doesn't do shitty things, but I like him. So, they all do. I mean, L, I like Brian, and Brian does the shittiest of the world things. So, um, okay, well, let's just overall your thoughts on Ted's recovery, including the Liberty Ride. We'll just complete that. So how do you think Ted did with his recovery, you know? Yeah, so I kind of talked about that. Like, his just his journey through recovery and just seeing him, you know, like kind of come out of his shell a little bit, kind of come to terms with what he, his past coming to terms with his self-hatred and self-loathing and just kind of going inward a little bit. And yeah, that was one of the things that we were talking about with Emmett's anger because Emmett, you know, watching him kind of do be successful at recovery, you know, and seemed to do well pretty quickly. And, you know, Emmett was still struggling at the time before he met Drew and all that. So it was kind of interesting to see that dichotomy. And I, I, I don't really have more to say than that. I, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm kind of, you know, I just feel like his, his recovery journey was a, an interesting point, you know, in, in the show. And I think it's an important point as we've as we've talked about. That's one of the things I love about Queer as Folk is that it it took these stories in the queer community and then put them, you know, that aren't always told um, or hadn't been told at that time, you know, um, and was able to showcase that and show the complexities within the community, not just the stereotypes, you know. Um, so yeah, I think seeing um, him go on that journey and find himself a little bit more and become a little more into his own was was really cool i like that ted had to work the process it wasn't an overnight thing for him like they really made it they really showed us that he was on this journey and of course the liberty ride is symbolic of all of that he's really on this on this journey he had to go seek forgiveness he wrote the letters to his friends and he had to own up to all of the things that yeah i did this because i was 
addicted to a mind altering substance, but still I did it. And he had to own up to that. So I really liked that they showed us that. I also appreciate that they made him go totally sober. Not everybody does it that way. Some people, as long as they avoid the drug that they were addicted to, they can still maybe drink or whatever. But I like that they had him go totally sober in this. And because I think he realized, like, I cannot have anything, (laughs) anything in me because I don't know how to not be dependent on that for the things that I should find in myself or at least in something a little bit healthier. So I do like that part of his journey. And I like that his main, his focus with Blake's help, he had to kind of refocus because at first he was saying, oh, I got Blake back now. We can just kind of do this thing together. And, but he had to be refocused to be like, your primary concern is your recovery and you getting to a healthy place. And so once he started focusing on that, kind of cliche but that's what they tell you like then everything else started falling into place his his friendship with with Emmett and the job with Brian and all this other stuff it kind of started falling into place once he was able to focus on himself and his recovery first before anything else so I really love that journey for him once he started to take it serious because I think at the beginning he he went and he did like a day or two whatever then he went home and he was like I forget it but I like that Emmett gave him that speech and it was like, okay, if you're going to get better, you need to get better. <laughs> and so he goes back to rehab and then he finishes it. And then he almost becomes addicted to the process where he's like, I have to have my meetings. I have to have my people because he felt safer in that. And so that he had to go from, okay, it has to be this regimented to how do I take the, the foundations of what I learned there and pull that out into my day-to-day life. So I feel like that was a very real way I mean, of course, you have to do it for TV and you have to condense some things, but I do feel like they gave it the proper time and respect that it deserved. Yeah, I I agree. I love the way they did it. I, I really did not like Ted after the end of season three. I kind of kind of hated Ted, to be honest. I mean, I felt for him. I understand addiction is a disease. I do understand this very clearly, but I didn't like him and season four made me like Ted again. And I, I felt for him and I, I appreciated his journey and I, and I thought it was completely realistic that he wasn't ready to be around his friends. That made perfect, perfect sense. When you go through something like that, when you're in recovery, when you're in a place, I mean, I've been in psychiatric hospitals and when you're in a psychiatric hospital and you get out, you have the same kind of feeling where you're like, you're ashamed to be around your friends. It's this feeling of shame. So you shut them off. And I think that's a lot of what he was doing is he was very ashamed of what he went through and of his addiction of what he, and of what he did and of what he put Emmett primarily through. And so I thought, I thought it was really well done. And, and I said on Liberty Diner Dish, uh, one of my favorite things in season four is Ted and Brian's relationship because it's, you've never really seen it that much before. And I love that he starts working for Brian. I think it's great and wonderful. And um, it's some of of my favorite scenes are the two of them together in season four and season five. So, yeah, I really like it a lot. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, so we're going to move on to the final season. And basically how we're going to do this is I just, I'll just go over an overview here of what happens to both of our guys. And then we can talk about what we thought, we'll combine it for Emmett and Ted and what we thought about their journey and if you liked the way the show left it for them. So Emmett ends up becoming the queer guy, which is basically like a takeoff on, you know, queer eye for the straight guy or isn't that what it's called? <laughs> anyway, you know, that show on Bravo that they actually brought back on Netflix too. And so he becomes the queer guy on a news station, but then they want to basically make him sexless. So basically a take on the way most of straight media wants to be with these characters. Um, and then Drew comes back in his life and actually comes out of the closet, which was lovely, I think, but then realizes he's young and he's as far as young in, in his journey. And so they break up. And at the end, he ends up meeting the other guy from Hazelhurst. <laughs> and it's kind of left a thing of maybe they get together. Um, and of course, there is the bombing at Babylon as well. And then for Ted, Ted is dealing with getting older and he's gained some weight and he wants to have some plastic surgery. Ends with him seeing Blake again. And he also has that weird relationship with that weird, icky, gross guy. Uh, yeah. Ugh, yuck. So, um, and he's still working at Kinetic. And then he also deals with the guilt over over Michael with, with the bombing. So, Danelle, what, were, what are your thoughts overall on ha- what happened to both of these characters last season? Yeah, so I, I really love the the kind of um, giant middle finger to mainstream media that they gave with Emmett becoming the queer guy. Yeah, I thought that was beautifully done, um, especially when his rejection of it was so epic on air. Like that was just absolutely fantastic. So um, yeah, I love that because you know it, it's so time to let go of that stupid you know stereotype or sexless queer person in the media bs you know and i love that he just was able to just be like yeah hell no this is not happening so that was fun and yeah i didn't talk about it and i'm glad you brought it up um seeing michael with working for brian was awesome you know and that their relationship through that that part and i i think brian you know being brian <laughs> was very much a good influence on ted because he did not he did not give him the coddling <laughs> at all <laughs> you know brian's very much a tough tough love and ted needed that ted needed the kick in the pants that brian gave him during that time but he also needed the handout like the help and i think you know brian gave him a really brian was a true friend in that moment and it really gave Teddy the the foundation that he needed to get back on his feet. But he didn't do it. Brian didn't do it to, you know, just, oh, here you go. You know, he's like, no, you're going to work. You're going to figure this out. And you're going to do a good job because I'm paying you to do a good job. And I need you to do what you do and kind of get Ted back in his feet. So I thought that was pretty cool. 
him getting older, um, you know, I think that's definitely a, a, a thing that I've heard a lot about in, in the gay community, especially with men. And so I think they address that well, especially with Ted. And, and um, again, it always bothered me that they just kind of picked Ted out to be the unattractive one. Like, what? None of them are, like, they're all gorgeous. Like, what the hell? So um, anyway, but I, I get they had to have somebody, right, as far as the storyline. So it worked. I thought it was an important thing to talk about. And, you know, because that is something that is a, obviously part of the community and um, causes concern for a lot of folks. And yeah, so I still I, I still want to know more. I still do. And I probably always will just because they, the way they left it was great. I mean, it was a fine ending, but I still am always going to want to know more. Like what happened, you know, because I, I really grew to love the characters over the journey um, of the show. So, yeah. Ishelle. So I'll try to keep it all concise. <laughs> and I'll start with, with Emmett. I love that Drew comes back and I like that they get to have this kind of whirlwind thing for a little while. We haven't gotten there yet. And I cannot wait for Ken to see that. Oh my gosh. Cause he loves Drew. He's like, oh, I know she- and he's like, well, he's always had this like football guy fantasy thing. So anyway. <laughs> but he cannot, like, I cannot wait for him to see. I just pray that nothing and no one spoils it because I want to get the real raw reaction the first time Drew shows back up on the screen. Uh, so very excited for that. Um, but Ishelle is very happy that they bring him back around. And I think it is one of those things where, I love that Emmett is so selfless in that relationship to where he tells him there are these experiences that I don't want you to miss out on because you're, even though you've been secretly doing this, you haven't been publicly doing this. And that is a totally different journey. And he releases him to go have that experience and just says, you know, your 21st birthday, come find me or whatever. And so I I love that. And even that we get this random Hazelhurst guy at the end. For some people, they may have a problem with that, but I don't mind it because Emin is the character who is open to whatever the universe brings to him. And so here's this person and it's just kind of like, okay, but I have no, no part of me believes that that's supposed to be some kind of forever relationship. I think it's just going to be whatever it's going to be. And whether it's for a night, a month, a year or whatever, I totally am like, Aaron, I, (laughs) and Peter, I ship him with Drew. And so in my mind, that's what's going to happen. But this guy is just kind of filling in filling in time because this whole series we've seen Emmett just kind of go from okay here here's an opportunity to do this okay I'm gonna take it here's one to do that I'm gonna take it so to me that's kind of how I put that together I don't know I haven't seen that in a while and I think I only like you know I was skipping through it when I watched it I've only seen it one time and I wasn't really paying much attention so my opinion may change when I get there but right now that's kind of how I feel about about that guy and then with Ted and his stuff I think it would be foolish to assume that once we get through the Liberty ride, then we're kind of done with Ted's issues. And so of course there's going to be some other thing that, that surfaces in him. And this feels like something he can control because it's like, I can go have plastic surgery and that's going to make me feel young and beautiful and attractive again, which is what he's always been chasing. Um, But like Danelle said, it's appropriate to do that because that was and still is in some ways a big concern in the community, like the aging and wanting to look forever young. I think it's getting. Well, I want to say it's getting a little better, but I can't speak for for everyone in that community, of course, or anyone in that community, really. But it made sense why they had Ted go through that journey and 
what I love is that he comes out looking exactly the same because like she was saying, he is adorable. <laughs> and I think Scott was very handsome. And so it makes sense that, that he looks exactly the same. And also I don't think they were going to go the prosthetic route with this character. So, um, so I love that we get that from him and we get this inner confidence, which really makes all the difference for him. And I, I have always loved Blake. And so I was happy that they did bring Blake back in. And now it seems like the timing might be ideal for them. That's always been the issue before the timing, just the state that they were in as individual men. So I'm glad to see him there. And I can't really speak about the bombing and his guilt over that because I don't remember that. <laughs> and I haven't watched it yet. But <laughs> I am like, Danette, I will always want more. Um, I will. That's why I keep hounding the writers all the time. I was just emailing one the other day. But I, because I will always want more to know more about what happens with these guys. So I'm satisfied where they leave them, but they could have given me another five seasons and I'd have been happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And I, and, you know, as I said, I ship Emmett and Drew together, but I think it makes perfect sense that they don't end up together in the end because of where Drew is in his life. And I think that was a very selfless thing for Emmett to do and a very caring and kind and Emmett thing to do. <laughs> um, and I am hopeful that what Peter Page envisions that they actually might even be at the point where they're looking to adopt kids. I think he's mentioned that before. And so they're very serious together. I, I envision that too. So I'm, I'm, I'm on that train I'm on that ship and I love them together, but I'm not upset about the random guy that he sees because it's kind of cute. It's a meat cute. It's very much a meat cute. And I am a sucker for stuff like that. So I didn't have a problem with that at all. I thought it was cute. But I am hopeful that down the line, he met back up with Drew and they're happily together right now. For for Ted, uh, I thought I, I loved Ted in this season. Um, I didn't like most of the relationships he was in during this season at all. Uh, until the end when he sees Blake, because I ship Ted and Blake. I, and I understand why people don't wouldn't want Ted and Blake together, but I, I love them together. So I like that. But yes, and his, his guilt over the fact that he had Michael go get him and his date some water at the bar, and then that's when it and So he has guilt because of that. Um, and that was really interesting to watch. And I think Ted is just a naturally guilty character even if there's nothing to be guilty about he just feels guilt all the time and so I liked that and I liked that Brian was the one who just kept kind of trying to push him and then the random um, guy he hooks up with at the baths also was like trying to you know make him see that it's not his fault and so I appreciate that he eventually did end up you know back with his friendship with Michael so yeah Okay, well, I'm hoping maybe during this Queer as Folk time, during the Michael one, maybe the next time, we will finally have our Six Degrees of Finn Wittrock intro song by Carla. I'm waiting on this song, Carla. I'm going <laughs> to, she'll be on our next episode. So I don't know if any of my panelists are participating. Right? Are any of my panelists participating in our Six Degrees of Finn Wittrock segment? I forgot to think about it, so... <laughs> <laughs> a pass so on no. me. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm not good at this. 
it's fine. That's why I have it as it's totally optional. You don't have to do it if you don't want to do it. Um, okay. So then uh, it's just up to me. So for, I did both Peter and Hal, I mean, Hal and Scott, I did do Hal. <laughs> That's for the next one. Um, so Peter Page was in the closer and Courtney B. Vance was in that. And Courtney B. Vance was in American Crime Story, the OJ one, um, which is very good. The American Crime Story series is chef's kiss. Brilliant. I Well, I'm kind of not into the Monica one. I'm watching that right now. But it's the first two, especially the Art Versace, are absolutely amazing. And so, of course, Sarah Paulson is in that one. And Sarah Paulson has been in a bazillion things with Finn, American Horror Story, and, of course, Ratchet as well. And then for Scott, Scott was in Heroes with Zachary Quinto, who was in American Horror Story Asylum with Jessica Lange, who was in, among a bunch of other things, American Horror Story Freak Show, which was Finn's debut in American Horror Story Universe. So there you go. And we do have our listener version up. And as a hint to everybody, since we're covering Queers Folk for the next two weeks, and we're going to be doing this for every single actor, not every single actor, but the actors for the characters, uh, you will be getting spoiled on how you can connect him because this is one of your choices for our listener version for the month of June. We have Queer as Folk, Orange is the New Black, the movie Moonlight, and also uh, the movie Brokeback Mountain. So head on over to the link in the show notes or head over to our website. Click on the thing that's literally titled Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. Submit. But our first winner um, was Whitney, and uh, she introduced me to stuff I didn't even know from Finn, so with her connections from May. But you can enter, and we'll, we'll select one random winner at the end of June that gets some It's a Fendom Thing merch. It's a ton of fun. I love this new segment so much. So head on over there and play. It's free to enter. My panelists won't be eligible for the prizes, but you can enter if you want to play that game as well. Like I said, everyone's going to get connections through the next four episodes of Requires Book. So that one will be all done for you. And another one of these is also super duper easy too. So, okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out this one. So Danelle, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter as Draven Pearl. And so, yeah, <laughs> pretty easy. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. And then, Ishelle, where can they find your wonderful, amazing Queer Folk podcast? You can find us wherever you stream your podcast. If for some reason you cannot find us, if you search for Liberty Diner Dish and you don't see us, please let us know so that we can get added to that platform. <laughs> but uh, we're pretty much anywhere. Um, we are, our social media handles are um, Liberty Diner Dish, except for at on Twitter, where we are at Diner Dish. So. That's where you can reach us. You can also email us at libertydinerdish at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm sure most of the people listening to this have listened to your podcast before. But if you haven't and you're a Queers Folk fan, then you need to be listening to Liberty Diner Dish. And once again, a big thank you to Ishelle for having me on that podcast a lot. We always get new listeners every time I'm on there talking about Brian, Sex on Lake Skinny. So I really, really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for that. Uh, this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at eAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. 
on Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest or if you have any feedback, um, head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button and that'll shoot us an email and we can contact you and reach out about potentially interviewing you. Or you can email us directly at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, we're going to, excuse me, we're going to continue our journey through Queer as Folk looking at Michael. My complex, my complex feelings will be on full display about Michael. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. And until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.